Pastor Strong? I've been anxious to get here this morning. If you'll turn your Bibles, if you would please, to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. I'm going to begin to read in verse 25. Very familiar portion of Scripture. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the gospel because it's so plain and it's so simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And that's to whosoever will. And I ask you to bless today in a very special way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Very unusual thing happened to me this week. I uh, had a giant oak tree over at my lake place blew down, the storm come through and blew the tree down and I can't get it up anymore. I can't do the things I used to do. And so I inquired and they sent me this fellow over to said he would get it up. Him and his boys come over and was taking it up. And as I was talking to him about doing it, in the back of my truck, there, back of his truck, we were just standing there talking. He said, do you go hunting? I said, well, I used to. And uh, he was showing me some pictures of the deer and things he'd killed and, uh, when he was hunting. And I said, wait a minute, that fellow looks familiar. And uh, he said, that's my dad. He said, we, he went out to Montana in 1970 and stayed in some log cabins back up in the mountains there. And I said, is that right? Uh, was it a guide, Dan Hill? And he said, yeah. I said, that was my guide. I was there in 1970, and that was his dad. Now think about this for just a minute. Here's his dad in Montana, uh, first time I ever went hunting up there in the mountains, and he's standing in one log cabin, I'm standing another, and there's a bunch of us there, and uh, got to see one. Now I hear this guy coming over to fix my tree for me, get it out of my yard, and I got to stand there at the back of the truck, and after we talked a while, I looked up at him. I said, buddy, and this guy's about that much taller than me. I mean, got a beard, big old burly boy. And I said, uh, sir, let me ask you something. If you was to die right now, do you know you go to heaven? He said, no, I don't. Just like that. <laughs> and I said, well, can I tell you how to go to heaven with me? And he said, I'd appreciate it if you would. And I quoted him scripture and talked with him. And I looked up to him, looked up in big old tears running down his eyes. He said, now you're getting me, preacher. <laughs> and I began to talk to him about the Lord and, 
And uh, I said, well, right now, would you bow your head and ask the Lord to save you? Bitch, you know how right now. He said, yes, I would. And he got saved right there. Now, now think about this. Here's 1970. I'm with his dad up in the mountains hunting. And here he is coming to my house to help me. And I got to lead him to the Lord. Isn't that somehow the Lord works around? You know what I come to the conclusion of with all that? It's the greatest thing that you can do for somebody is lead them to Christ. Amen. And the greatest need in the world today is for people to get saved. Now, in Acts chapter 16 here, great questions people ask me down through the years is what I want to talk to you about this morning. When anyone picks up the Bible and reads it with an open mind, there's so many legitimate questions that come to mind. Did you know it's not wrong to question the Bible? It is wrong to doubt the Bible. But it's all right to question because God will give you the answer if you just keep reading. In Acts 16, verses 25 through 34, is, is a record of a man who came in contact with two God's uh, greatest preachers and he saw God at work. God opened the doors of the prison and set his preachers free. <clears throat> then the jailer asked life's most important question. And by the way, it is life's most important question. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now that's the question that determines all eternity. What must I do to be saved? And there's only one answer. Think about this. All you have to do to be saved from sin and damnation is believe what Jesus did for uh, us 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. He died for our sins. Amen? And there are many more important questions answered in the Bible also. For instance, is there really a God? The Bible, is there a God who made me? Is there a God who made all things that exist? Is there a God to whom I'm accountable to? Is there a God before whom someday I must stand? Now, I settled all of that, uh, all those questions about God when I first uh, started reading the Bible. And I come to Genesis, the book of beginnings. And it starts off, in the beginning, God. And then all else follows. The earth, the moon, the stars, the planets, animals, the waters, uh, the light, a man, God's greatest creation and I know him as my personal heavenly father so I know there is a God amen I know it without a doubt the second question is there life after this life did you know the Bible answers that for us listen, listen to Job for just a minute in Job uh, chapter uh, 19 beginning in verse 25 for I know that my redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Do you know what? Uh, is there life after this life? Yes, there is. Hey, do you know this body's got to go back to the ground from which it came for? Now, it's not a pretty scene. 
I don't care how many funerals I've preached in my lifetime, and I've preached a bunch of them. And I, I don't care how you try to make it a pretty scene. You can buy the prettiest casket. You can get all of those beautiful flowers. You can dress them up and dress them any way you want to and clean them up. It's still death to me. It's not a pretty scene to me. But isn't it something? That's not the last scene. This body goes back to the ground from which it come from. But the Bible says, oh, worms eat this body. It's going to live again. And it says this flesh shall live again. Amen? Right. So I know without a doubt in my mind there is life after death. Second Corinthians 5 verse 8, Absent body, it be, be present with the Lord. And I know in my heart and soul I will see my lost, uh, my saved loved ones one of these days. So I know that there's life after this life. The third question is, does death in it all for an unbeliever? According to Luke chapter 16, the rich man and the beggar died. And think about this now. The rich man went to hell alive. Uh, the poor man went to paradise alive. The soul of man is immortal. It lives on eternity either in heaven or in hell. But the primary question today is, why would people ask this question? What must I do to be saved? How can I be saved? How can I become a Christian? How can I be right with God? Number one, why do people ask this question? Because this life does not satisfy. Now I want to give you something. I love the book of Ecclesiastes. I guess I read it as much as any book in the Bible. But listen to it for just a minute. Solomon said, I made me great works. I built me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. And I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruit. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I gave me men singers and women singers and the delight of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all souls. Isn't that something? You know what he said? He said, I got all kind of worldly goods and they didn't make me happy. You know, people that struggle through this life to get happy, to have happiness, and they don't even know what they're looking for. Then again, verse 9. I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Every time I read that, I think about people it's working themselves to death. I know people that got two jobs. 
They work one job and just as soon as they get over that, maybe they go home and get them some supper or whatever and then they go right back out and got another job and they work around the clock and seem like trying to gather up money. I was down at the grocery store yesterday. I laughed at a young man. I, he must have been 19, 20 years old and I guess it was his wife going to, in the shop and, and as he was walking in, he, he, I heard him say to her, I guarantee you one thing, I ain't working all my life. I'm going to retire at 35. At 35, I had another man tell me, he said, I, I'm going to sell my piece of property. And now he's only about, uh, I think he's about 30 years old. He said, I'm going to sell my piece of property for a million dollars and I'm going to retire. You going to retire at 30 years old with a million dollars? No, you won't. It won't last you two years. Amen. Especially in the never mind, I don't say that. But uh, what I am trying to say, it ain't gonna last you long, amen. But everybody's collecting everything they can up, getting everything up, and they think that that's what satisfies them. And brother, I found some. Why do people ask the question, "What must I do to be saved?" Because that's the only place that satisfaction is in, is in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not in things. God's let me live all these years, and I can honestly say I think I've experienced a great deal of all of it. I really have. And I find out it's emptiness. It don't mean nothing. You're not going to take it with you. Amen? It's nothing. Why do people ask the question, how can be some? Sometimes it's because of a natural disaster. I've been watching this building fall down there in Miami and I think man wouldn't it be a horrible thing to think that your mother or your daddy or your brother or your sister one of your kin people was in that building and you don't know where they're at a natural, that disaster happened right here in Brandon uh, just across Highway 60 over here there's a man that I knew he used to come to this church and he was in his bedroom asleep one night and a sinkhole sucked him right down in the earth and, and he's gone and I've thought about that a many a time. Hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes and fires and floods and, and people are killed every day by disasters. Can I give you something? Why do people ask the question, how can I be saved? Because you don't know what's going to happen next. Amen? Some natural disaster can just wipe you off the face of the earth. And that's why you must know what must I do to be saved. If something like this happens to me, how can I know I'll be saved and go to heaven instead of hell? And you're going to spend some place for all eternity. Think about it. Some people ask the question because they watch a good Christian life being blessed of God. I think I've had the opportunity to lead a many a person to Christ because I go around bragging on the Lord all the time. I really do. I brag on the Lord about everything He does for me. And they see that God has blessed my life all these years and my health and everything that I desire. It seems like God has let me enjoy. And they, they say, how come I can't have the things that you got? You know why? i got a Heavenly Father. And my Heavenly Father owns the cattle of the thousand hills. And He, he blesses me. Paul and Silas, here's a beautiful picture. Paul and Silas, men of God, in a prison, 
and God has opened the door and letting them free in this jailer sees something almighty is going on here and something almighty is protecting them and setting them free. I want what they got. Amen. You know the only reason I go around and I say I got a beautiful home and I got a beautiful family and I got everything that I got and I want everybody to understand something. I got a great God. And I got a great God that takes care of me and blesses me on every side. I I built a man uh, a place uh, where he cuts meat several years ago. I mean a long time ago. And the other day I called him. He got a meat place. And I said, uh, hey, buddy, how about cut me some steaks? Now, I didn't want him to give them to him. I going to pay him for them. And I told him what I wanted and everything. I went down there. He had me some big old pork chop about that thick. They sliced in the middle. And they packed them full of stuffings, you know. And I mean them things. Anyhow, he cut me some beautiful steaks. I went down there to get them. He said, this is your birthday present. About $200 worth of stuff. He, he just gave them to me. And let me tell you one sweet thing. I learned how to cook them pork chops. And they're good. And you know the only reason I told you that? I got a God that takes care of me. Amen. Amen. I'm not a beggar. I don't I don't ask nobody for nothing. I'll pay for my way. Brother Rudolph told me years ago, he said, uh, Preacher, always pay your way. Amen. Don't you let the world think that a preacher begs. No, sir. But I also know one thing. God can touch a man's heart on the other side of the country and He'll send you some money or send you a blessing in the mail or do something. It happens to me all the time. And I can't understand it except i got a great God. And I want to go around telling the world i got a great God because I want you to want my God. Amen. Amen. And I have people all the time ask me, how can I be saved because you've got a great God and I want your God to be my God? Listen to me. You know what the answer to is most people's important question? Just simply put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the answer. Just simply believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And He wants to save your soul. You know, before I got saved, as a little boy in the assembly of God, I remember going around thinking that God is in heaven with a big old club just waiting for for me to make a mistake where He could walk me on top of the head. You know? And I know a lot of people that go around in fear of God thinking that God is just waiting for you to make a mistake where He can get you good. Did you know what the Bible said? God has no delight in the death of the wicked. He's not after you. He's not trying to get even with you because you're a sinner. Jesus stands with open arms and says, Come unto me. I will in no wise cast you out. I don't care who you are. He loves you. And He wants to save your soul. And I want you to get this. Just simply believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that believing is something that anybody can do? That's simple. Acts 16, verse 30 and verse 31, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Romans 10, 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You know what's so good about that? Anybody can do it. 
Anybody can do it. I don't care who you are. And I don't care what your disabilities are or where you're at. You can be in prison. You can be out in the road. You can be in your truck. You can be in your car. You can be on your uh, bed in the hospital. I don't care where you are or what your condition is. You can still believe. You know what believing is? I used to think that believing was a hard thing. But God's Word, this is something that I learned several years ago in preaching. You know, when I'm preaching, I'm trying to give you information about the Word of God. Thus saith the Lord. That's all I want to do. I never want to give you just what I want to say. I want to tell you what thus saith the Lord. And when I do that, then you have to react on it. What will you do with it now? And I've had people say to me, well, preacher, I'm not going to make a decision right now. Well, yes, you do. You make a decision one way or the other, whether you like it or not. You either take Christ to your Savior or you reject Him as your Savior. My job, I can't shake you and I can't make you get saved, but I can give you information on how to be saved. Then it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict you and draw you to Christ Jesus. And when He does, then you have to ask the same question that this man asked, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And I come back with this simple answer. It's simple. Believe what Jesus did to pay for your sins. That's all. We know that He died on the cross. Ask anybody you want to. Anybody will tell you Jesus died some 2,000 years ago. They know it. Amen. What are you going to do with it? Sirs, what must I do? Nothing except believe. Just believe the record that God sent of His Son. Amen. And when you do, that's salvation. And I like this. That's an eternal salvation. What must I do to be saved? Not just for a moment. Not just for a time being. But for all eternity. You know what I like being preaching, being able to preach funerals of friends and loved ones that I know is saved? When we was out playing golf, we weren't just playing golf, me and Marty. We were talking. You know, just like anybody else talks about everything in the world. But there's one thing I wanted to know. Every time me and him would get together and he was brought up in a different denomination and I said, now Marty, do you know in your heart that you trusted Christ as your Savior? I want you to go to heaven with me. And you know what his answer was? I know that I trust the blood of Jesus Christ to wash my sins away. And you know what? Now, I know he passed on and to be with the Lord the other day. I'm not worried about it. I can go and stand there and, and preach this funeral and give the courage, encouragement to the family and friends absent body present with the Lord. Why? Because he made the right decision. What must I do to be saved? He believed. Amen? That's to you or anybody else. What can I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all. Just trust Him. And He'll do the work. Stand with me, please. 
Heavenly Father, I believe that that's the answer to our family problems. I believe it's the answer to our country's problems. I believe it's the answer to every man's problem on the face of this earth. If I could only get everybody saved, they would be harmony on this earth. One day they will be when Jesus, the Prince of Peace, comes back. But until then, it's our job to get the message out. Jesus saves. Bless us, we pray today, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's sing something, please. Turn to page 12. Page 12. Listen to the words of this song, would you please? On a hill far away stood 